Thank you for joining me for the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You are listening to Your Daily Drive. If you have a question for us, please go to our forums. You can do that at rickthomas.net. We have public forums for anybody in the world. There is no charge, no catch. You can go on our forums and ask us questions. We have folks who are waiting and ready to talk to you. If you happen to be a supporting member of our ministry, one, thank you so much for underwriting our ministry. You're the people that make it go, and I am I am grateful for you and for your financial support. Thank you so much. You do not know how many people you are helping. Thousands upon thousands of people are coming to us and are being encouraged by our resources if you have a question, we have a private forum for supporting members. Make sure you jump on the private forum. We have a place on our public on our private forum rather where you can the forum is called Talk Directly to Me and My Team. That means the only people that will be responding to you will be me and my team. The title of this podcast and the accompanying article on the website is The Necessity of Critiquing Authority Structures. I put the word critiquing in quotation marks, but I wanted to be clear in what I am talking about because nearly every week, someone, and it's usually a wife, almost all the time, let's just say it this way, the majority of the people in subordinate relationships that come to us and they are struggling with the authority In the relationship, they come to us asking if it is okay to have a voice within their hierarchical structure. The follower is afraid to bring critique to what they are experiencing, or the follower doesn't know if it's okay to speak out against something that they perceive it is wrong. It may be wrong. In most cases, it is But they want to know that we have latitude to be able to talk about these things. And that's why I titled the podcast this way, The Necessity of Critiquing Authority Structures. And what I mean by that, it is absolutely essential that the folks who follow us have a voice to be able to speak their opinions, whatever their opinions are, And sometimes their opinions will be different from what we believe, meaning it will be critical. Critical doesn't have to be sinful. Critical, you're bringing a critique. And again, if it's not sinful, there's nothing wrong with it. And I believe it is absolutely necessary that the onus is upon us. It's necessary for the leaders, the husband, the father, the mother, the pastor, the employer, the civil authority, whatever or whoever the leader may be, male or female, it is imperative on us that we create an environment of grace, that we welcome people to bring their critiques to us. Leader and follower constructs are essential in a fallen world where chaos wants to reign. Part of God's answer for his creation was to implement hierarchical structures, a good thing. We need hierarchy. We need leaders. We need followers. We need those in authority and those who are submitted to that authority. There are employers and employees. We have pastors and congregants. 
Mercifully, we have civil authorities that provide directive care over the citizens. There are parents and children and husbands and wives. Perhaps you can think of other hierarchies. When these frameworks are working correctly, there will be order in all of the relationships involved. When sin disrupts these constructs, the people will hurt, and evil will attempt to tear down what the Lord is building. That is just the nature of the world in which we live. The individuals who make up the leadership or the constituency are imperfect, which makes the implication clear. Mistakes will happen. There is no way around this idea of imperfect hierarchies in a fallen world. The question becomes, how do you react when you're in a relational dynamic where the imperfections of authority, of the authority in the relationship, are affecting you and affecting others in adverse ways? There are two absolute wrong responses when this happens. Number one, you must not keep quiet when problems arise. That's one ditch, and you can't jump in in that ditch. You have a voice. You know, within these hierarchical structures, there is co-equality. And so there's a dual role here. Everybody is equal, co-equal. Man and woman within a marriage are absolutely co-equal in the eyes of God. And then there's also roles of husband and wife, the leader and the one who submits. But we must keep in mind that because you are co-equal, you have a voice. You're not a slave. You're not an individual who is absolutely demanded to not speak out under any, under any situation, especially when you believe that there are wrongs that are happening. And so that's one ditch you must stay out of. You must not keep quiet when problems arise. Number two, just as important, You must not sin when you speak of things that you perceive is wrong. And so you don't want to keep quiet, and you don't want to sin when you talk. Those are the two ditches. Now, in between those two ditches, there is freedom to critique. There is freedom to bring constructive criticism over the things that you see. There is freedom to work things out within that hierarchical structure. If the authority tells you not to critique, you would be wise to ignore that request. You have several options, and you should exhaust them until there is a change in how things are. Let me give you a few of those options in sequential order. Number one, can you overlook what you perceive as wrong? If you can, by all means, overlook it. Maybe that is what you need to do in this situation. It's just a preference that you have. We want to hold our preferences loosely. We don't want our preferences, our secondary, tertiary issues to become demands that we mandate over other people. And so if someone is doing something, someone who is in authority over you, is it a preference that you're holding? Can you go with what they're doing? Can you overlook what they're doing? Because it's just not on the level that you really need to speak about it. And you want to give that some thought. Number two, if you can't overlook it, 
you must take the issue to the Lord. Spend adequate time talking to your father about this matter. It's so important. And and I would recommend that you not just spend, you know, five seconds or, or five minutes or five days. I mean, it, unless there's something criminal happening where you must speak and intervene quickly. But in normal situations, what I would recommend that you do is spend several days praying to God, thinking about it, mulling it over in your head. And it could be that what you're feeling right now will dissipate in a few days. So spend adequate time talking to your father about this matter, maybe a week, maybe two. Maybe you want to wait and see if the thing that you're perceiving is an episode as opposed to a pattern. Maybe it was just a one-and-done deal. Then you can just overlook it and move on if you can. But if you see a recurring pattern and you've prayed about it adequately and you spent days, maybe weeks, mulling this over, point number three, if you can't dismiss it after talking to God, you bring it to the person involved You should not bring it to someone else before you chat with the person with whom you are struggling. And so number one, can you overlook it? Number two, bring it to your heavenly father. Number three, bring it to the person who is involved. Number four, if that person is unwilling to talk or if the individual is dismissive or defensive or flips the conversation around by making it your fault, you may need to go to someone else with the hope of finding a solution. I'll give you a caveat here to this idea of talking about someone. You may have a close confidant that you want to talk to before you chat with the person with whom you're struggling. This action happens all the time with counseling. I mean, it's happened a zillion times with me. I mean, that's what I do. Someone will come to me with a problem that they're having with someone else, And they want to talk about it before they talk to the other individual. I do not have a problem with that. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Having behind-the-scenes conversation about someone else does not have to be gossip or slander. It doesn't have to be. It really depends on the motivation of your heart. If your motive is redemptive restoration as opposed to tearing down an individual, you should experience God's favor on you to seek wisdom from a trusted, competent, biblical friend. Now, it doesn't mean that you do this regularly just so that you can gossip about somebody. Again, your goal is redemption, is restoration. Ultimately, you're going to go to the person and have a conversation with the person with whom you are struggling. But you may need to talk to someone else first because, again, you're holding your preferences loosely, you're holding your ideas loosely, and you could be wrong. And before you go, you might want to gain clarity from a friend. And you can do that humbly, you can do that redemptively, you can do that without gossip or slander. If the person in authority mandates that you can't talk to anyone other than God and yourself— Do not listen to that counsel. If you do follow that advice, what will happen is you'll bind your soul. You could potentially dull your conscience and you could grow in bitterness. God never silences his children when they are struggling with others. He does not silence us when we struggle with him. 
The Psalms are full of vocal, hurting saints who needed to go to God with their complaints. They worked it out imperfectly, but they did bring their critiques. I have told my children many times that I want them to talk to me when they have a problem with me. Bring your critique. There's a way of doing that. And I've made the same appeal to my wife. It would be heartless to tell them to suck it up, buttercup. Or even worse, to attempt to make a biblical case that they can't bring their critiques to me. We cannot be that thin-skinned, overprotective, hyper-defensive, or selfishly determined to do our own thing regardless of what others think, especially those who are under your care. Every good and humble leader wants to know what their followers, what their constituency is thinking. I appeal to every husband, father, mother, pastor, employer, and any other person who has an authority position over others to create an environment of grace that encourages others to give feedback, to give critique. If you do not do this, The folks you want to lead will resist all the more. Demanding that people have no voice with their opinions only stirs those views in more vocal ways. And of course, at that point, it can become very sinful. It's ironic, I know. The more you try to keep people from sharing their opinions, the more they will share, even to the point of protesting against you. Let me finish by asking a couple of questions. Are you creating an environment of grace that encourages folks to share their opinions, including their critiques? Number two, are you creating a culture of fear where folks are growing in inhibition if they they say anything critical about you? Number three, are you aware that the more you try to stop people from voicing their opinions, you will create more adversity? If you need help with this, please come to our website. We accept critique. We never turn anyone away, regardless of what you want to share. We have a place for doing that on our forums, and you are welcome to do it. The title of the podcast, The Necessity of Critiquing Authority Structures. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.